Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you and thank you for this opportunity to share your word. We pray now that you would hide me behind the cross. Let nothing that I have thought, done, or said in my past, present, or in my future hinder your word from going forth. That your people might see you, the hope and light of the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is arguably the number one emotion that keeps people from fulfilling their potential in life. It paralyzes, it keeps people from overachieving, it keeps them underachieving, it, it keeps them from venturing out, launching into the deep and trusting God to do his best in and through their life. Uh, it is so paralyzing that many times we are defeated by the presence of this emotion even before we start on the journey. It's called fear. And it's amazing because fear manifests itself in so many different ways. Some people, for example, are afraid to fail. They'd rather talk about what they would have, could have, should have done if they just had a better hand, if they just could trade places with you. And so, they, they, but they don't even want to try. They've never even made an effort because they're afraid to fail. But some people seem like they're afraid to succeed. Like they, they're so busy trying to please, going nowhere, do nothing people. And watch this, satisfy the mediocre in their life that they don't strive for the excellence that God has for them. And there's no place that this emotion robs us of our potential more than the body of Christ. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And yet there are so many believers who are out there. No, let me get more personal. There are so many of you who are watching right now. No, let me get more personal. There are so many of you who are sitting here today. For whom fear has become your constant companion. And I need you to know today you're not alone. In our text today, we see the disciples post-resurrection after Jesus has appeared to at least four of them, four different occasions before this occasion, and they are still, the Bible says, locked in a room because of fear of the Jews. Watch this. The resurrection of Christ was the greatest of miracles, but the resurrection of Jesus could not help them overcome their fear of man. And my brothers and my sisters, there are so many of you who are walking around, around not resting in, not celebrating the power of God available in your life to help you do all things through Christ. No, you are focusing on the fear of men at the expense of the power of God manifesting itself in your life. Today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought how to develop a faith 
that overcomes your fear. How to develop a faith that overcomes your fear. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Those who are watching via the World Wide Web, if you would just download our app or go to our website, you can download a copy of our outline for the day and fill in the blanks as we go. This is the first Easter Sunday evening. The resurrection has taken place early morning. Jesus has appeared. Remember the women went to the tomb looking for Jesus. He was not there. The angels said to them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And there were at least four post-resurrection appearances made by Jesus before we get to our text. And Jesus, when he appears to them, addresses what they needed to know and what they would need to know in order to do his will in their life. And I believe that the message is clear. It was not only good for the disciples then, it was good for the disciples now. For those of us who may be struggling with actually living the life that God wants us to live, actually feeling like we're walking in the power of God, how can we move in that way? Amen. Thank you, baby. I appreciate that. Amen. That's a, that's a good amen over there. Four things I want you to see today that I hope and pray will help you to develop a faith that overcomes your fear. Here's the first thing. Number one, you need to recognize his presence and you can add to that in your life. You need to recognize his presence in your life. On the evening of that day, verse 19 says, John 20, the ESV translation, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Now, I told you there were at least four post-resurrection appearances by Jesus before we get to our text. He appeared to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to the other women. He appeared to the apostle Peter and he appeared to the two on the road of Emmaus. We get to this place in this time and obviously they had heard that Jesus was resurrected, but watch this. They weren't expecting him they were more concerned about their earthly enemies than they were about the risen Jesus coming in their midst. So the Bible says they locked the doors. Um, they're not happy. Text says they were afraid. They were fearful. Jesus is saying go. But there was no going in their spirit. In their spirit there was stay. In their spirit, it was lock the doors. In the spirit, it was we're afraid because watch this. The same Jews that crucified Jesus, the same government officials that authorized the crucifixion of Jesus could incite and bring about their deaths as well. And so here they are, afraid to be discovered and afraid to go out. Now, this is not the first time they were afraid, right? You remember Peter was afraid so much so that he denied Jesus three times by the fire. Uh, the disciples were afraid, obviously, because 
you couldn't find but one of them around the cross. Right? Uh, Peter, man, shoot, he went back to fishing. He wasn't even worrying about this. But the Bible shows us that even in our fear, God wants us to walk in faith. And the first thing he did was came to them, showing his presence. Now, don't miss the miracle in what Jesus did. Because the Bible says the door was locked. The door was locked and nobody opened the door. No evidence that he knocked on the door. He just showed up in their midst. I need somebody to understand how our God works. Right? Because you don't have to invite him, him, him in in order for him to walk in. Uh, he knows how to show up. And even with the figurative doors locked, doors locked don't keep God out. I need somebody to know whatever it is that you are contemplating, whatever it is that you are thinking about, whatever God-ordained task God is putting on your heart, don't allow fear to keep you from seeing Jesus in your midst. And if you have accepted him as your savior, he lives inside of you. So you don't have to invite him in. He's already in. Matter of fact, you know what I've learned? The key, if, if you ever wanted to shout in life, if you ever wanted to shout, can I tell you something? Shouting is not the work of the Holy Spirit showing up. It's really the person recognizing that the Holy Spirit is already there. All you got to do is stop and think about God living inside of you and making a way for you and keeping you and preserving you and providing for you. If I keep on going, somebody going to start shouting in here right now. He comes to them and he says, peace be unto you. He, he comes to them in a traditional uh, setting and, and gives them a traditional greeting that would put them at peace. Now, some may have looked for him to come and criticize them. Some may have looked for him to come and say, where were y'all? I ain't seen none of y'all around the cross except John. You know, what, what, what are y'all doing? How is it that you have no faith in what I said? But Jesus says, Peace be unto you. Here's why that's important. He knows that you cannot overcome fear on the outside until you have peace on the inside. And I want y'all to notice something. He declares peace in the house even though he never changes what's going on in the community. Right? Because he recognizes, Lord have mercy, that peace has to work from the inside out, not from the outside in. There's somebody, let me put a cord in the meeting and park here for a second. Because somebody, you need to hear me. Watch this. You can have peace on the outside and still not have peace on the inside. But when you have peace on the inside, it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. I wish I had one or two witnesses in here that could help me today. Some of y'all can't have peace in a room by yourself. Put you in a room by yourself, you turning over tables. Because you don't have peace on the inside. And there's other folk 
The world can be going to hell in a handbasket around them and you looking at them talking about how can you be so calm? Nothing can keep Jesus from showing up and from revealing his presence. And somebody today needs to know God is present with you no matter what. Don't walk in fear when you know the Savior is with you. Look at Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you he is present here's the second thing if you're going to develop a faith that overcomes your fear number two you need to receive his peace in your life not just his presence but his peace now I want you to listen carefully watch what the text says verse 19 the b part Jesus came and stood among them and said to them peace be with you everybody see that Go to verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Now, there's a simple law of hermeneutics, which is the interpretation of the Bible, the study of the interpretation of scriptures. And there's a simple law of hermeneutics called the law of repetition, the law of repetition. Whenever God says something more than once, that means it has some importance and it has the need to be recognized two times. In this short passage, Jesus says, peace be with you. Peace be unto you. The first time he says peace, he says it for one reason, but the second time he says it for another reason. Watch this. First time he says, peace be with you to combat their fear. But the second time he says, peace be with you is to empower them to serve. Let me say it again. Some of y'all missed it. First time he says, peace be with you because they were afraid. Now he assures them of his presence. Now what you going to do? Peace be with you because I got some work for you to do. Right? God never gives you peace in your life to justify inactivity. God doesn't say, I want you to have peace so you can just lounge and relax and do nothing. No, I need you to have peace that overcomes fear that's keeping you from obeying me and keeping you from doing what I have equipped you to do. And the disciples needed a peace that only God can give them. My brothers and sisters, one of the greatest mistakes people make in life is looking for somebody else to give them peace. The second greatest mistake that people make is letting somebody else take their peace. <laughs> Some of y'all said amen on the first one. You didn't know about the second one. You said, hold on, wait a minute, hold on, wait, 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 what, what? No, 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 no. We look for people to give us peace and we get mad when they don't give us peace. But then we turn around and give people the power to take our peace. They take our peace with our passive participation. By doing nothing, we just let them take our peace. And you got to fight for your peace. You got to fight to hold on to your peace. To peace of mind, to peace in your home, to peace in your marriage. You got to fight for peace. 
And you get mad at somebody else when they're trying to take your peace. Listen to me. They're trying to take your peace because they have no peace. Jesus wants them to understand you'll never overcome the fear of people and predicaments on the outside if you don't embrace peace on the inside. And recognize peace is rooted in your relationship with God, not in what's going on with other people. Look at John 20, verse 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Circle that word glad. Um, that word glad is an interesting word. It, 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 it means to be cheerful. It comes from the same root where we get the word joy from. Um, how to, how to uh, feel good, right? Even when everything around you is not good. It, it's, it's a disposition of the spirit. It's an intentional exercise of the will to have peace, to have calmness, to have cheerfulness. He says, peace be unto you. I want you to have peace. I want you to move from horror to happiness. I want you to move from fear to feel good. I want you to move from dread to delight. I want you to move from where you are to where you need to be. Because watch this. If you stay where you are, you can't do what I've commanded you to do. See, they heard Jesus say, I am the way the truth, and the life. But now they need to take that and put it into action. He says, I need you to have peace, not just from my appearance, but I need you to have peace from my presence and have peace for your assignment. Here's the third thing. Number three, you need to accept his purpose for your life. You need to accept his purpose. If you are going to develop a faith that overcomes your fear, you need to accept his purpose for your life. Look at what Jesus says, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be unto you as the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, remember what I said. First piece was to overcome fear. Second piece was to prepare them for the assignment. Need you to have peace because I've got a job for you to do. And you can't do what I've called you to do. You can't do what I saved you to do as long as you are behind locked doors in fear. You can't go into all the world if you're behind locked doors in fear. You can't spread the word from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the world if I can't get you out the house. Now, here's the mission. The mission is to witness to the saving power of the living Lord. To tell the whole world that Jesus saves. That not only is Christ the way, but they know now they have a responsibility to point the way. Right? It's not just that Christ is the truth. They have now a responsibility to live the truth. It's not that just Jesus is the life. They have a responsibility to share that. 
life with others. And here's what Jesus says. I'm giving you peace, but I'm giving you an assignment. Now, what's interesting about this is he says, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. But he uses two different words for send. The first word he uses is the father sending Christ is the word apostolo, which means setting apart and sending forth with delegated authority. Right. So the apostles, contrary to those who are using the title now to try to portray themselves as being supra spiritual above other church leaders, um, the word apostle was used to describe those who had a face to face encounter with Jesus and were given an assignment by Jesus. Right. So it is delegated authority. Jesus does not give the apostles delegated authority. As a matter of fact, let's be clear. First of all, in that room, when Jesus came in and said, peace be unto you, there was more than just the 11 disciples. You remember Judas had betrayed him, right? They hadn't had time to replace him yet. So there was 11 disciples there, two from the road of Emmaus, and there were some women in there. Jesus does not give any of them delegated authority. What Jesus does with that word send is give them dispatching responsibility. Not delegated authority, but he dispatches them out of his authority. He says, this is what I need you to do. The father sent me. I'm obeying him. Now I need you to go and obey me. But you can't do it apart from peace. Can't do it apart from peace. Look at John 15, 16. You did not choose me. Let's read it together. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. God sent Jesus to the most needy and difficult place in the world. Jesus dispatches us to be his representative in the most needy and difficult places in our world. And he challenges us to submit to his service. I told you, number one, you need to recognize his presence. Number two, you need to receive his peace. Number three, you need to accept his purpose for your life. Here's the fourth and final thing. Number four, you need to receive his power. You need to receive his power. Uh, verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Look at a he gives you his power in the person of the Holy Spirit. You got to have peace. His peace, and you've got to recognize his presence and his power. But you can't get to his power apart from his peace. 
Because if you're caught up in fear, you won't even recognize the power of God available to you because fear will paralyze you. Let me stop testifying to my own life. Is there anybody in here who's not ashamed to say you have been paralyzed in at least one time in your life by fear where fear kept you from? And watch this. Don't ask the wrong person because they just pile on the fear. Uh. Ronald Ward is one of our great members. He runs Heavenly Match Travel Ministry, and he has taken people all over the world from Sunnyside, Texas. All over the world. All over the world. From Sunnyside, Texas. All over the world. Listen, do you think there was at least one person that said to him, man, you crazy. You ain't lost your mind, man. Can't no brother do nothing like that. Can you imagine if he put his dreams and put them out there to be critiqued by people who live and walk in fear and not faith? And there's others of you who have tremendous testimonies about what God has done in your life because you chose not to walk in fear. You walk by faith. And when you walk by faith, you activate the power of God in your life. Faith is a catalyst to see the power of God move and operate in your life. He gives you his power. He gives you the Holy Spirit. And watch what the text says. He says, receive, receive. It's in the imperative mood, the aorist tense, the active voice, which means you have to do your part to receive the power of God. God is willing to give it, but you got to receive it. And then once you receive it, you got to walk in it. Look at B. He gives you his authority in the proclamation of his word. He not only gives you ability in his power, he gives you authority in the proclamation of his word. He said it. We used to sing a song some years ago that said, God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. But can I tell you something? God doesn't need you to co-sign on anything. If God said it, that settles it. But here's the problem. If you don't believe it, you can't receive it. Somebody today, it takes divine power to serve. It takes divine power to witness. It takes divine power to change lives. And Jesus gives us the power and authority to serve him. He said it. Everybody say he said it. He said it. He said, don't walk by fear. Walk by faith. He said it. God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. He said it. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Over 365 times. He said it. Now the question is, will we walk in it? Because watch this. Shouting on Resurrection Sunday. 
means nothing if you don't walk in resurrection power on Monday. We can holler all we want. He died, didn't he die? But early, Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hand. We can tell that story every Sunday, but if we don't walk out of here in the power that God has made available for you, and 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 for you, if we don't walk in that power, then we can never fulfill our potential in the Lord. I need somebody to leave here today saying, no more fear. I'm going to trust in him. I'm not going to let fear hold me back. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to tell you the story. A friend of mine called me the other day, and he said to me, uh, Cofield, he said, I want to talk to you, man. I'm thinking about going back to school. He said, a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, I've, I've never finished my degree. Successful pastor, gifted preacher, teacher, felt the need, though, he wanted to go back to school because eventually he wants to teach. And he knows he needs the credentials to be able to do that, to teach in an academic setting. And so I said, well, what, 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 what are you hesitating on? He said, man, you, you know, just my age, man, you know, you know, I've been doing this a long time. And I said, no, I understand. I said, well, how old are you? So he said, I'm, man, I'm 66. And I said, okay. I said, and what do you, what do you want to do? He said, man, I want, I, want to, I want to get my doctorate, man. He said, man, but I'm, I'm looking at it and... Uh, he said, I'm thinking it'll take me about 10 years to finish everything. And I said, all right. Is that going to take you 10 years to finish? He said, yeah. I said, so how old are you going to be in 10 years? And he said, I'll be 76. And I said, okay. I said, how old are you going to be in 10 years if you don't go to school? <laughs> I'm just asking. I, you know. I mean, because... Because now we've defined the choice, right? I can either live with a purpose to finish what I want to do, what I believe God has called me to do, or I can allow what is inevitably going to be to cause fear to keep me from doing what I believe God wants me to do. When I said that to him, he said, okay, Cofield, that's, that's all I need to talk to you more. Thank you, man. That's what I needed to hear. <laughs> because at the end of the day, if fear keeps you from doing what God has want you to, wants you to do, then that fear is sin. That fear is sin. And, and, and I might as well say this since we're already over. I might as well say this. Because for some of you, you are your worst enemy. You need to get out of your own way. Get out of your own head. You are your worst enemy. What you want to do? He said, I won't go to school. But, you know, I'm old man, you know, I'm... It, and why, why are you killing your own dream before you even try to give birth to it? You, you ain't even filled out an application yet. 
and you're already killing your own dream. And some of y'all are professional dream killers. But you're killing your own dream. And here's what I've learned. When I am busy trying to do what I believe God has called me to do, I don't have time to try to kill somebody else's dream. Man, I'm taking all my energy. I'm taking all my energy. I'm taking all that God has given me and trying to do what God has called me to do. Because at the end of my journey, I want to hear him say to me, well done. Come on, anybody want to hear him say, well done? Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for today. I pray now, God, there are some who are under the sound of my voice who are locked in their own proverbial room, their own house, locked from the inside, not the outside. Locked because of the fear that is within because of circumstances without. God, I pray right now that somebody would recognize that resurrection power does no good unless we access it and walk in it. Help somebody today, God, first by raising their awareness of how fear has kept them, paralyzed them from doing what you want them to do. And there's somebody under the sound of my voice, God, thank you, Lord. Who had the boldness to move to get where they are. But they've allowed fear to now keep them from making that next step to that next level. They had enough faith to get where they are. Now they need more faith to get where ultimately you want them to be. Help them to remember your presence, your peace, your purpose for their life. And the power you make available for them. Where my prayers fall short, I ask you to make up the difference, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.